You're listening to Intent Topics, a podcast about all things growth. I'm your host, Logan Kelly. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Intent Topics. Today, we're going to have a good one. Excited to have John Stamel on the show. We have a lot to talk about. John, first, intro yourself, and what are you working on? Sure. Uh, so I'm CEO of a company called Umiji, uh, which we'll talk about. Uh, I've had a career in marketing, including running one of the largest ad agencies in northern New England. Uh, I've done a lot of consulting for foreign governments on some big global projects, including marketing positioning of the 1994 Winter Olympics in Norway, Chile's transition to democracy in the early 90s, and then uh, South Africa uh, after uh, the end of uh, apartheid. So some big projects with a lot of different uh, types of marketing functions uh, involved, and Umiji's a fairly new company. Nice, nice. So I that's like an awesome resume. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and I, I want to focus this episode on two things, um, Umiji and what you've built. And the recent survey you gathered data on uh, using Umiji, the platform, of course. So, so dive in there. So I started Umiji out of uh, some from fr- some frustrations that I had, which originated in market research, and I'd been carrying these around with me for a long time. Market researchers can always tell you the what a group believes, but they can never tell you the why. And so I wanted to resolve that. Also, they can tell you the description of a group, they can tell you what their beliefs are, uh, but they can't tell you uh, who they are specifically, where you can find them, how you can communicate with them. So I wanted to activate market research as well. So we've created some innovative software, which enables us to ask people a very few number of questions. Then we can send them content that's specific to how they answered those questions. And then we can continue to refine that question and response exchange as we further engage them, ask them more questions, et cetera. Uh, There's research in there, but it's primarily communicating with people based on what their specific interests and needs are, just the way we have conversations like this. And that's pretty valuable for brands to have that type of communication with their customers because most don't have anything close to that right now. Yeah, yeah. Most are a long, long way from that. So let's talk platform. Uh, you told me a story a couple of weeks ago about the origin related, I believe, to the Dean presidential campaign. Uh, talk us talk us through that. Yeah, so it's really a good example of how important it is to listen to your audience and respond to them based on what they're saying. And you might recall that in 2004, Howard Dean, who was then the governor of Vermont, ran for president. Uh, His was the first campaign to successfully raise money over the Internet. Uh, But after a while, their funding dried up. Most people didn't know that. And uh, they came to us. Uh, They said, look, people have stopped giving. They gave before, and we don't know why. So they gave us around 44,000, 45,000 emails of their previous donors, Uh, and we asked them a number of questions. The key one being, you donated before, but not again. Why? And the overwhelming response, which I think is common sense when you think about it, that came back was every email we get from you asks for money. You never ask for our opinions. So our recommendation to that campaign 
was to send emails, ask donors to take a short survey about their opinions, just a couple questions, segment them by their opinions, and then respond to each segment specifically to show how you're listening, and then ask them to donate again. Well, unfortunately, the Dean campaign fizzled soon afterward because they didn't do well in the Iowa caucuses. But whatever your political views are today, I'm sure everyone can identify with getting multiple emails from candidates who do nothing but ask for money day after day after day until you you begin to think, you know, they don't care about me. So the solution we have for brands, it could be a politician, but it could be any kind of a a brand, a, a bottle of wine is to ask customers what they care about, to respond based on that, and then lead them to a sales transaction. It's a more considerate and empathetic approach to the customer. Yeah, yeah. Common sense, but, you know, I I think it's like logical sense, but definitely not common because not many people are actually following this. Um, So so let's dive into the the talk about the the power of open-ended questions. Uh, especially in terms of what's happening in the world right now? Well, one thing to keep in mind is that um, when we have conversations like you and I are having right now, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't ask each other multiple choice questions or yes, no questions. <laughs> we ask open-ended questions. And then, right, right. and then we respond to that based on the context, based on the nuance that's in that question. And uh, that gives us a lot more information and we build relationships on that basis. If you take closed-ended questions, and we're all very familiar with them from taking surveys, and I ask you a multiple-choice question, I'm confining you to respond within the set of answers that I've given you, but they may not fit, and, and there's no context. There's no nuance. So one of the things, we, we have a bunch of wine and spirit uh, clients, and I like to use wine as an example because there's so much competition and so many different brands and types and all of those kinds of things. And if I ask you, well, what do you like best, red, white, or rosé wine? And you can just answer one of those. You might like red wine, but it's not that easy a question for you to answer because there are occasions when you might prefer white or rosé. But right. your, your response is that closed-ended question, you know, if I act based on that, I'm now blasting you with emails day after day after day about selling red wine, and I'm missing a lot of other opportunities. So if instead I say, hey, you know, Logan, tell me about um, the kinds of wines you drink, when you drink them, and why you drink them then. So I'm going to get a much more nuanced answer that's going to open up a lot more marketing and sales opportunities because I'll gain a lot more understanding of you as my customers. That's, that's an open-ended question, and what it generates is a lot of conversational text. And most companies, most research firms, can't deal with the complexities of analyzing responses to open-ended questions. So they only confine them to focus groups, and now you're making decisions based on what 10 or 12 people say in four or five different parts of the country. So what we've come up with Umiji is a way of appending everything that an individual writes, everything that they tell us to their file in a database so that we can build out a persona based on both closed-ended information and open-ended responses. So... You know, I think a lot of brands and and you know market research companies, you know, they're they're not focused on open ended questions because it is it's complex, right? It's difficult to get that data at scale. Yeah. Um. So if we look at like the why why would you focus on that? What are some of the biggest pitfalls 
you see of brands marketing to and selling to their target audience? There, there are a bunch of them. Uh, first of all, you, you start asking questions or communi- communicating with customers based on your internal assumptions. So you must be thinking, well, the customer thinks about my brand the same way I do. Well, no, that's <laughs> not the case because yeah. the customer's thinking about so many other things and it's not focused just on you. And so that's probably the, the first mistake that people make. Um, not asking customers why they do what they do. How can you understand a customer if you don't know why they do something? Uh, not asking them how they make decisions, what their lives are like, understanding where your, your brand, your product, your service fits in, uh, what their frustrations are. Keep in mind, a frustration is nothing more than the description of an unmet need. So right. that's very important. And then uh, finally, but uh, just as important, I would say not expressing empathy with their customers and the issues that they're facing in their lives. And at this time, with the pandemic, with everything's going on in the country, I think that's extremely important. Nice. So this is this is powerful stuff. You know, whether you whether you use a platform like Amiji or not, it it, it really is, um, you know, driving driving as as close to an open ended question as you possibly can to start to gather that important information. I like your your uh, you know red white rose thing. Like you know, there's there's a lot of complexity. And then, and that's real life. That's, that is absolutely real life. So with that being said, you know, you're, you're working to, to really enable brands and companies to, to, uh, you know, ask those open-ended questions to drive real conversations and then ultimately find those sales and marketing opportunities. So with that said, where do you see your platform going in the next 12, 24, 36 months? So one of the things that, that, uh, people tend to think about when you say market research is a 20 or 30 question survey and people don't, they don't respond to those. They drop out after 10 to 12 questions. And so you get a little bit of information, but you, you really don't get that much and you're dealing with very limited uh, numbers. Um, a, a survey though, and, and on the Omiji platform, we call surveys conversations. We don't call them surveys. A survey can be asking five or 10 questions, but it can also be asking one question in an email or one question on a landing page, and you're getting a lot of information because you're learning about client about customers' preferences, and um, because ours is a uh, services as a, as a subscription, you could ask one question a month or one every mm. two weeks or whatever, and you're you're constantly building out that customer's persona. So we're adding a lot of features that uh, enable our clients to do a better job of listening to what their customers' needs are and respond to them based on those needs. We're going to be introducing some tools that enable companies to learn uh, how, how customers make decisions and which customers match up best with what they offer with their company's values. It, it's really all about alignment and empathy with the customer. And I think businesses of all types are learning, in, again, in the environment that we're in today, that we're not just data points. We're a lot more complex there are a lot of different things we think about. So the tools we're adding uh, all address those types of issues. Nice. That's exciting. That's exciting. So let's talk about the survey you just got done analyzing. Um, pretty pretty powerful. Why did you do it? Well, you know, again, uh, part of the business is not doing surveys, but we have the capability of doing surveys. We have sure. a very powerful and, and, and uh, robust 
survey application with, within the platform. And we were thinking that in this environment with the pandemic, so much of what businesses do is uh, in-person marketing. It's events, it's conferences, festivals, it's all kinds of large gatherings. So we began to think how businesses are going to work their way around this pandemic, uh, how they're going to continue to operate, what they're going to do to change. And knowing that things will return to some sense of, of normalcy, but uh, they're going to be different. There are going to be a lot of things, habits, new habits that are going to be baked, baked in, working at home, for example. So we wanted to find out more about this so we could better advise our customers and we could also uh, do a better job of projecting what the new environment's going to be. Yeah, it's huge. I, it, it, it truly is, you know, day by day at this point. So this is good data. So what did you expect to find? And then how did, how did the finding square up to, to that? Well, I think we, we expected to hear a lot of doom and gloom. And there was some of that. But what surprised me was that, that there was a pretty strong sense of optimism that we're going to figure out new ways of how to do business. We're going to find opportunities out of this crisis. And that may sound odd in the midst of so much job and business loss, but we heard from more than 500 senior managers in business, and I think that says a lot. Uh, now, those are people in senior positions. We heard from a lot of CEOs, a lot of business owners, uh, a lot of presidents, uh, heads of marketing and companies. And so they're most likely not the ones that are lose, losing their jobs, but they are impacted uh, by all of this and they're looking for new ways to do things. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what are the, some the, the surprising responses? I'm sure, you know, with the way that you structure these things that there's a couple, you know, yeah. there must've been some surprises. I think the, the, the key word, it really comes down to one word is, is redefinition, uh, redefinition of how businesses have a relationship with the consumer, with their customers, uh, redefinition of work-life balance, of office work versus at home, of the, of, do you really need to travel or can you get it done uh, online? Uh, I, I used to have a, a partner who every time a, a client was uh, a prospective client was interested, he'd want to get on an airplane and fly there and not, that's not going to happen anymore. You, you, you go online to see if there's really an interest there, whether you can close the sale and you can conduct the entire uh, thing online. And we're finding uh, there was that that came out. Uh, so it was really of, of what to spend money on, of what, and, and I think most optimistically of what our overall relationship to the world at large and our communities uh, at home uh, should be. Uh, there is a, uh, increased expectation of business leadership to be more proactive in all of these areas. Now, with regard to events specifically, uh, there's an expectation. We heard a lot of uh, ideas about rethinking events as multi-channel brand experiences where you might have some very specific, small, in-person components, but a, a lot of other forms of online video and uh, simulation marketing. Uh, I recently attended the Palm Beach International Boat Show online. Uh, it's really interesting. I think the idea needs some refinement, but we're going to see a lot more virtual trade shows as well. Uh, even, in, even in the food and beverage segment, we heard from a lot of people in food and beverage because that's where we do a lot of work. And so you've got sampling issues, but people are working on ways to get around that so that you don't need to go to a large uh, trade show. 
um, there was a feeling that that um, some of the big trade shows are just not going to recover, and so that that came out. Uh, in terms of what people uh, said specifically, I mean, what you get out of an open-ended response is incredible. And if I can just take a second, can I read you one of the one or two? Yeah, absolutely. Please, please, so, please, please, please. So here's this is just one that I picked out where somebody wrote, uh, companies will need to invest in the best technologies, not the cheapest, in order to enable their employees to be competitive and productive going forward, whether there is a crisis or not. Companies need to rethink their work from home policies and human resource policies to reflect how people live and work today so that people's work life most closely resembles their home life, especially when it comes to a digital experience. Employees are consumers, and they expect a much better Mm. digital experience at home than they are currently getting. Now, that's just one response. We got over 1,100 answers like that. That people wrote, uh, I you know we we do a lot of automatic coding of the concepts, ideas, motivations. But I, I went and read every single response, and it's incredible what people wrote and how uh, interested that they were. And we wouldn't have gotten any of the context or the why behind think of people the way people are thinking if we had not asked questions uh, that way. Um, so that was. Can I read you one more? Yes, please. Please, please, please. Yeah, this is great. All right. So uh, this person wrote, this pandemic is an urgently needed reminder that our earth has limits. In the past 50 years, global population has doubled to nearly 8 billion people. Along with it, our waste and disregard for the environment have grown even more dramatically. This pandemic will bring attention to our environmental and climate inattentiveness, at least among younger generations. Everything must change and everyone must take a new view of how we live and how we conduct business. So if you had asked a closed-ended question, uh, how do you forecast the the future of uh, of business with the pandemic? You'd never, and had had like five answers that you could pick from. You wouldn't get those kinds of responses. And so you don't get any of the, expansiveness so you don't see how people are thinking and there this person who wrote this is obviously thinking out about a big global scale and thinking mm-hmm. that this is this pandemic has affected everything in the, in the world we're seeing that right now with these um uh with the the uh the black lives matter demonstrations right it's become a global phenomenon and so that has an impact on how we go forward and and how we do business that's not right, right. And I'm not saying that there's no value from closed-ended responses. We we closed-ended questions. We use them. We ask them all the time. But if you don't follow them up with open-ended, or you don't mix in open-ended questions, and then have the ability to append them to that individual's file in a database, so now you're building out a, a, a persona. Now you can start to see. What that that person is not a data point. They 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 have a there's 360 degrees there around <laughs> every individual, and yeah. so we can do a better job in business if we can understand that full individual that we're selling to and talking to, and uh, and and trying to get them to be be loyal. And yeah, that that's, that's awesome. There there's this. I think you mentioned it earlier 
in in this episode and you know with with a lot of data that you know a lot of data analysis a lot of um you know conversations among marketing leaders and sales leaders there's a lot of assumptions that get made you know and and so you're you're looking at the data and you're trying to interpret it and i think a lot of people make these assumptions and then there's a lot of you know pats on the backs and and fist pumping when you think you got something nailed when you know if you had asked a, a more open-ended question and were able to to kind of process that data you know that assumption could very easily be completely different and i think like the the way that 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 last person was thinking you know it's like that's something that that could be addressed but you're never going to a sales or marketing person is never going to see that in you know analytics data they're never going to see in a multiple choice but that matters and that could have a big impact on somebody's brand you know how they how they approach this younger generation climate change i mean that that uh that's awesome this is super powerful so you know prior to umiji when i was doing a lot of consulting to ceos and chief marketing officers i pretty much made a career based on asking only two questions and they were why and how do you know? And, yep. and, and everything they would tell me about their customers would start to fall apart just, just by the, those two questions. And a lot of what Umiji is, is understanding why and how do you know? That's awesome. It's like the, that's like the line of the episode. <laughs> I love it. Cool. So, John, if there was a, if there was a takeaway that, that, you know, the audience using what you know, your experience and, um, you know, what we've talked about today, if there was one takeaway, I'll put you on the spot here, um, that you'd like everybody to, to kind of, um, you know, take away from the show, from the episode, what, what would that be? You know, when I talk about a lot of these things to people, they, they agree right away. But then the question is, what are you doing to put them into action? What are you doing to activate them? And I'm not going to say that what Umeji does is the only or necessarily the absolute best way to uh, understand your customers, but it's a really good way to understand your customers. And I think whatever system you use, that's, that's the key. Start to build a, a real persona around your customers so that you can retain the best ones. The, the emphasis in digital marketing has been, I've got to build my email list. No, you don't. What you got to do is find your best customers and learn how to retain them and get them to be really loyal to what you are. We have a system that works. There may be others out there, but I'd love to talk to more people about what we're doing. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, this was super interesting, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, we, we will probably continue this conversation. So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. I'm Logan. This is Intent Topics. Please give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you use. We will see you next time.